Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. <laughs> Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. Sorry for the delay, but we're live here on YouTube. It is preseason week one in the books. Time to react and most importantly, overreact to what we saw. Yeah. I've got a little extra volume in my voice today. I apologize yeah. in your earbuds, but I'm excited. Football was played this weekend. Yeah, you can tell there's been football and stuff. You're all excited and, you know, pepped up. I only have this level of excitement. Week one of the regular season, preseason, and draft night. Remember draft night, two in the morning, it's like, oh, we're just going. It's yeah. all adrenaline. Well, that's a different one. Yeah, you're wired on, you know, caffeine and whatever yeah, else. Had a been. steroid shot that day. It was great <laughs> last year. Yeah, I was all jacked up. Yeah. All right, we're going, man. It's uh, preseason week one. Uh, you wanted to just go straight overreaction here. Well, somebody, yeah, someone tweeted at us. I forget who it was, by the way, my timeline is such an absolute train wreck. There's zero chance of me being able to find it again so apologies to the person whose name i'm forgetting but we used to we do that generally at the end of week one of the regular season right it's like week one happened football happened everything you thought for the last nine months is wrong because of these week one games let's overreact right i actually think it makes more sense and is more fun to do it after you know 17 snaps of preseason and make some sweeping de declarations instead so you know we got our first glimpse of all the rookies it's time to write them off or put them in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's time. And, and as you can see, I already put Aiden O'Connell in the Hall of Fame. We got a jacket on you him. You did something to him, all right. Yeah. I colored like a four-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see – I want to hear everyone's overreactions in the chat, too. Mm. And uh, sometimes I like to put pressure on myself and react real time. You know, maybe, maybe through the power of PFF Ultimate over here, if someone puts a name in there, maybe I can, like, check a guy's – you know, four big plays or something like that, and then wow. react in real. How did this guy do? And we will go we'll react in, Why, in real time. Huh? We'll see. We'll see how uh, how well we can do that, though. Okay. Uh, before we get started, though, as a parent, your child's well-being is your top priority. You want to see them chase their dreams and embrace, embrace life's adventures and thrive in this world. 
But you also know life can be unpredictable. And that's why it's important to plan for the unexpected so they can continue to thrive no matter what. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting health questions. Two more things we got to get covered before we, uh, we get into the show. No, let's go. Let's go. No, 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 no. you got to patience. Pace yourself. Okay. Uh, number one, we need to collect and solicit bets for the bet show, which is coming up. We've got to get that done before the season. So we've got a lot of bets coming in to the email address, nflpodcast at pff.com. Anything you think we're full of crap on, anything you want to say is going to happen absolutely categorically, and you are willing to put absolutely nothing on the line uh, against a season of PFF Plus subscription, Fire us in a bet. Um, put bet of some description in the subject line so we can identify those and fire us in all your good emails. So last year, the best bets were the, you know, Geno Smith is going to be a top 10 quarterback. And we were like, idiot. And those guys won. You know, Daniel Jones is going to have a better grade than Russell Wilson. That's not going to happen. You know, those guys won. So whatever you think, your crazy takes that you think are definitely going to take place, NFL podcast at pff.com. Send us them in. And uh, we shall create the bet show before the season. Second thing we have to cover is, I need your take on the uh, the big World Cup warm-up games. Um, well, a lot of things went as expected. There were some surprises, though. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, so. but things are teed up for a good World Cup, huh? We're talking rugby here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not women's soccer? No. Okay. Well, those games Great. are already happening. The actual World Cup is happening. The rugby games are merely... Yeah warm-up games right now i would just say ireland's youth movement is finally starting to pay off mm. i've been using that take for two to three years now right and at some point we'll run out but i think there's one more year of using the youth movement and these guys are mature and take gotcha it's like the it's like the rams starting all their rookies wait till three years from now when those guys are mature that's ireland this year ah. ready for a run i see how'd that go sure yeah that was good good day <laughs> how you feeling how you feeling uh slightly better now than before the game started France have looked a little, they wobbled a little bit. They yeah. just lost uh, their out half, Entomac. That's a big, big blow. Uh, England and Wales look terrible. New Zealand looked good. That's a problem. Wales, of course they did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, waterboarding apparently is not an ideal coaching strategy, judging by their evidence so far. Now you can get into the show. All right, let's go. Preseason week one. Are we going to have any pattern to this, or are you just going to spit takes here? <laughs> We don't have a pattern. Do you want to start with the rookie quarterback so that our social team has a nice, you know, organization to when they're trying to find stuff here? Right. Let's just do do it for the social team and for the listeners. Just for the social. Rookie quarterbacks. CJ Stroud, thumbs down. Anthony Richardson, thumbs down. Bryce Young, thumbs sideways. Aiden O'Connell, Hall of Fame. Clip that one. That's for you, ZT. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all right. So let's start it Thursday. Like, oh, you know what we're going to do? What? No, don't do it. We're going to... Don't do it. we got to practice. Game don't, by game. Don't do it. Game by game? No. We cannot go game I don't have game. enough from each game. Right. But... Cannot go game Let's by start game. Thursday night because there was island games on Thursday night and we were all watching. All of us, the nation, was watching 
Texans Patriots Bob's Discount Furniture Studio was back baby that's what the preseason was all about but this weekend the first two nights of preseason getting to see Bob's Discount Furniture Studio and Jesse the Body called a sack by a guy named the Barbarian yes. like it was WrestleMania 6 that's right I'm rehashing my entire Twitter feed right here on the show it was an amazing weekend of preseason action but Thursday night Texans Patriots CJ Stroud throws a little quick out to kick things off career's looking good uh, nine yards, nine yards per attempt on the first pass, but yeah, bad interception on third down. Those are two of my favorite things of preseason every year. The fact that there is something called Bob's Discount Furniture Studio, which just sounds funny, you know? Yeah. This studio is constructed out of discount furniture. Um, and also, as you say, the announcer for the Cardinals, what is his name, Ron, Ron Wolfley or something? Wolfley, yeah. Yeah, who sounds exactly like Jesse the Body Ventura as, as an announcer. And look, we... Like, our demographic probably doesn't skew old enough for most people to know who the hell that is. But the dude from The Predator and old wrestling from the 80s. And went the from governor of Minnesota. Yeah, that's good. Wrestler turned wrestling announcer, Predator, governor. Um, I also, well, I'm not even going to get into it. It was a great story you know, when, he was in, uh, when he was in The Predator. Uh, apparently, Arnie... Schwarzenegger told the the makeup people or the, the whatever the wardrobe people they were like uh, when you're measuring Jesse up for the fatigues or whatever right tell him that his biceps are bigger than mine like they measured out bigger so they tell him that and Jesse's like hey Arnie you know my my biceps are an inch bigger than yours and Arnie was like uh, well you know come down and train like we should uh, we should measure it, test it out let's put a let's bet on it Let's, let's bet a bottle of champagne on it. Turns out Arnie's like four inches bigger. And he won, won a bottle of champagne <laughs> off him because of that. Well, that's Jesse the Body, and he yeah. announces Cardinals games. Yeah. It's really close. The Barbarian. All right, give me your uh, C.J. Stroud analysis off those four passes. Yeah, I was going to say four passes. Uh, I mean, you know, there wasn't much from C.J. Stroud. Didn't look great. No. That's about it. Okay, great. Hmm. All right, so we're going to stick with the rookie – I mean, C.J. Stroud showed nothing but had, what, two drives and they didn't go anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. The one, the one bit of overreaction. So the, the third, it was a third and long, and it's kind of a weird coverage. I feel like the safety that he threw it to was on his way to go cover the check down. Yeah. And then Stroud just kind of threw it right to him. And He telegraphed it enough. He, he telegraphed it, but also just in the sample size of four passes. Kind of took a little, took, took a little bit in the pocket. That's all. The quick reaction is, you know, things, things were a little bit slow in the pocket, including on that interception. Yeah, so he didn't look great. Um, let's go. Let's just do the first-round rookies at quarterback for, for to start with. I'm going in order that we saw them. So Anthony Richardson. Okay. What he also think? had a bad, a bad interception. Yeah, that his, was rough. His was different. His, um, and so the but over- interestingly, I think every each quarterback that showed something bad, the thing that they showed bad was like – was a, was a trait in their game, you know? Like, C.J. Stroud's problem on that play was a problem from his um, Ohio State tape generally, which is, like, drop back, identify your target, stare it down, wait for it to be open, hit it, right? The problem is you can't really do that at the NFL level because defenses are too good and they can read you and they know where you're going with the ball and they'll get there when you, do, when you give them that chance. So he did that. He also had a couple of plays that weren't, didn't look great under pressure, but that's a common theme throughout a lot of quarterbacks in preseason. Um, Richardson's play was 
okay, you might have done however much work with your individual private coach of fixing your mechanics and throwing from you know structure and making all that look pretty, but what happens when the play goes to hell a little bit and now you have to sort of do the Mahomes stuff and ad-lib and throw from weird angles? That's where like the mechanics break down again because you just go back to muscle memory and instinct. And as much as you can drill like the, the classic footwork and drop back mechanics, it's very difficult to drill like the unique situation that makes you go, eh. And that's where he, you know, just lost the accuracy and threw it instead to a defender. So Richardson's interception <laughs> was, uh, it's an RPO. You know, we, for, for listeners, an RPO is not just play action. That's a called running play where the first option is to hand it off. Second option is to pull it and throw it. And when you have an RPO, you pretty much have to hit the first read, yes. right? And it's supposed to be open because what you're reading is one defender. And if he goes one way, you hand it off. And if he goes the other way, you throw it behind him. And with Richardson, he pulls it. He goes to throw it. Defender's in the way. So he's got a double clutch. And once you do that with an RPO, you almost don't get the double clutch. We've seen this with Patrick Mahomes a few times. He'll double clutch an RPO and then throw this ridiculous sidearm pass. Right. But there's a penalty on the play because the offensive line's run blocking and they're usually at the second level and there's an illegal man downfield if they call it properly. With Richardson, that's kind of what you got there. So as soon as the first read is away, I was, I was tweeting out, like, you got to throw that thing away. And people are asking, well, what about... You know, what about intentional grounding? It's like, no, you, you got to bury it. Like, you throw it at the feet of your receiver. And so for Richardson, he's got to, as you said, make that reaction on the fly, double clutch, throw it sidearm. He airmails it for an interception. So that was not a good start for Richardson. Um, he did have the one downfield pass that uh, people were going crazy for. Mm. That was a pretty nice throw. Yeah. You know, so again, I think you got to see a little bit of the ups and downs of Anthony Richardson all all in, in year one. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say, he only ran the ball twice. My quick overreaction on the negative side there is, is, is his athleticism as special as we think it is? Was he running away from guys enough? And I'm only going to say that because I think Justin Fields' first game, way back two years ago in the preseason, he, he came out of the boot and he just looked faster than everybody on the field. And I remember Trey Lance kind of did the same thing when we were reacting to their preseasons. I don't know, in two runs, I don't know if I saw that from Anthony Richardson yet. And he's a guy that I've said, hey, I think he could rush for 1,000 yards if the Colts choose. Well, so I don't know if I'm, if I'm overreacting too much on the negative side there for Richardson. You have to, I think for him, you have to factor in, um, like, his athleticism is special when you, when you add it, roll it all up and create a composite that involves size, right? Like he is an absolute freaking monster and running a 4-4-3 or whatever he ran at that size is insane, right? But it, doesn't act, it's, like it still doesn't make you faster than a guy that runs 4-3, you know? Yeah. It's only that being fast at that size is nuts. But like Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, these guys are like legitimate 4-3 speedsters, so they can outrun basically anybody on the field. Richardson can't. It's just that when he's going, he outweighs the dude chasing him down by 60 pounds. Like, that's where that's special. So, so it's that power well, so, yeah, plus Yeah, so his speed. rushing ability yeah. needs to look like Cam Newton's, which is I can run right the hell over the linebacker or defensive lineman trying to get in my way, or Josh Allen, same thing. Um, but it doesn't give you that sort of angle-breaking speed that a guy that runs 4-3 flat does. I think that is like a significant difference. Uh, Bryce Young, nothing to evaluate. Not nothing to evaluate. I mean, just not much. Not much. Yeah. He took what was there, which was not much. 
Hit his second read on his first pass. Love overreacting to the first pass. Yeah, to Adam Thielen. Second read on his first pass looked looked pretty good and then just did not convert on a couple third downs where they're based off where he was throwing. It wasn't really much there. Didn't give his uh, receiver an opportunity on one that he overthrew, but just not – he didn't one have the them, egregious mistake that one of them Stroud looked like, Richardson had. Right. One of them looked like it was Chenault's fault. Like I think I think Bryce Young put it in the right spot and Chenault ran the, ran the route too deep and or into contact and wasn't able to break back to the sideline into the where the ball was. Yeah, that's kind of what happens with uh, LaVisca. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, not, incompl- not, not, a, not a nothing to evaluate, but definitely not much. Oh, we're going right to O'Connell in the uh, gold jacket? We could probably got to cover Levis, right? Let's sort of do it vaguely in, in draft order. Okay. Will Levis, um, he's not going to have a great grade. I mean, he already doesn't have a great grade. couple turnover-worthy plays. He had... Really, the the end of the game, I think, summed it up. He had an opportunity, for whatever it's worth, for a game-winning drive against the Bears. Game-winning drive. And on one play, he misses a wide-open pass over the middle, and the next play, he airmails it for an interception. Yeah. So it was not a good Pretty rough from Levis. finish for, uh, for Levis. Though. I will say, though, Levis is, is quite emblematic of um, – so the problem with preseason generally – is every year this is is the most obvious thing to come out of all the games is how catastrophic the depth is when it comes to offensive linemen in the NFL. We know this generally when we keep talking during the season about, you know, as soon as you have to go into the backups, you've got some problems. Like almost every team, nobody has any depth. It could not become clearer than when you get to preseason and as soon as the second team offensive line comes in, it's just a shit show on offense. Like quarterbacks can't get anything done nobody can get open it's constant pressure and when you look at some of the pressure numbers across the nfl like if a guy is running with the second string not only is that its own problem but now he's got to deal with that offensive line that simply isn't viable in the nfl and i think you get real problems when it comes to trying to evaluate any kind of quarterback play because they don't have a working platform to function from if you really want to learn something from a quarterback in preseason, he has to be running with the first-string offensive line because otherwise it's too bad that you can't get anything from him. It's not that, like – so Will Levis was under pressure 42% of the time, right, which is that kind of borderline problematic number of this is too much. Um, but the problem is that even on the plays where you're not under pressure, you're expecting the pressure because it's so prevalent at this point. And Levis was far from the most egregious – quarterback you know in terms of pressure percentage this week there were a ton of guys who were over 50 percent which is absolutely like this does not function forget it don't get anything out of this quarterback but I, I think that's a real issue in terms of trying to evaluate any quarterback if he's running with the second or third string forget about it yeah I think that's all fair that's uh we're gonna have to lament the second half is bad offensive line the second half of preseason game bad offensive line and the, the communication, you mentioned LaVisca Chenault. Right. The difficulty, I'm always amazed at football sometimes, how precise quarterbacks and receivers have to be in depth of route and timing. And it takes a lot of practice. Like when Peyton used to throw those on-time uh, comeback routes to Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison and everything, it, it was always just fascinating to me, just very impressive to me that they could do that. And now you have receivers... You know, we're at practice all the time. You see the backup legit daily. Here's, here's your five reps for the day. Mm. Here's your nine reps. 
and having that level of consistency. My, so my point is bad offensive line play plus the ability for quarterbacks and receivers to not be on the same page, those are escalated quite a bit, particularly in the second half of preseason it's, games. It's really problematic because there's so many snaps where I don't think you can get anything useful from it. So let's let's spin this on towards Trey Lance for a minute because I think Trey Lance is one of the few guys who you can actually take something from, but it, it's its own little discussion. Not a rookie, but... Correct. Side discussion, Trey Lance, go. Yeah, so Trey Lance, we know the story, right? Traded a ton to move up to number three overall, draft Trey Lance, even though they had Jimmy Garoppolo in the building playing well when he was playing. Um, And then Trey Lance has been hurt. He's not played. And now Brock Purdy shows up for seven games or whatever it was, looks great, essentially wins that job. And you're saying, right, Trey Lance in preseason, the only thing he can do because he's going to get playing time because Brock Purdy's not 100% back yet. So all Lance can do, if he goes out there and absolutely lights it up in preseason, maybe he can ask a question of Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Instead, he goes out there and kind of looks like crap. Yeah. And you're like, all right, it was a long shot anyway. This is Brock Purdy's job to lose. But you, you definitely didn't help. Um, but we sort of forget just how young he is in terms of overall quarterback experience. Like the guy has barely played the game at any level at quarterback. And now we're expecting him to sort of make giant leaps in performance. There's just no opportunity to do that. He's getting, there's not going to be reps in practice generally. He's had more obviously when guys have been injured. Um, And I was sort of thinking, well, just give him all the preseason, all of it. Like Sam Darnold doesn't need to play. Brock Purdy doesn't need to play. Like put, Trey Lance out there, take, give him the whole preseason, every single dropback. But then you're watching the game and you're like, actually, don't do that because the offensive line is so bad when you get to the second and third string and the receivers aren't necessarily doing him any favors. So actually, most of those snaps are harming him rather than helping him. Like it's not useful experience to be out there with the third string offensive line just getting your ass kicked every single play. So guys like him are trapped in this world where – how are they supposed to improve? Yeah. Uh, so here's my, my assessment on the, the Trey Lance. Yeah, you, you kind of want to give him all the reps like you're saying, but is that a disastrous situation to even put him in? I would lean toward the reps. Um, my, my assessment of the tra- Trey Lance experience so far, because he's got such limited, what is it, 132 and if, like regular season dropbacks. Yeah. That's it. And he had After 319 above JUCO. So 319 at the FCS level plus 132 at the NFL level. We're talking and he only had that's less than a season for like whichever quarterback is going to play college football this year. Right. He only had 100 and something, I think, in high school. Like the dude has literally barely played quarterback ever. And so what we've seen so far in that, in that limited sample is a guy who's, who's – play style is nothing like anything Kyle Shanahan has had in San Francisco. Right. And I'm not just talking about the rushing ability. I'm talking about just the way the distribution of big time throws and turnover worthy plays. And while we talk about Shanahan as this magician, who's going to take any quarterback, whether it's Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, doesn't matter. He's going to create these open throws for those quarterbacks. And he's definitely created a lot of production for those quarterbacks. But when they drafted Trey Lance, the question was, okay, now for me, now does this open up the run game? Does this now create Kyle Shanahan's awesome run game and add this other dimension that nobody can defend? Right. 
in, in lieu of some of those easier passes because we're not seeing the easy underneath stuff like yesterday. We're not seeing that as much. We're not seeing Trey Lance hit those on time and accurately like others have. But what we are seeing Trey Lance do is have the ability to flip the field. And, but we, and we also haven't seen them tap into his running ability like they could. Mm. Because if, he, if Trey Lance ever becomes the Niners starter, if he's not running 8 to 12 times a game, I don't think you're maximizing his ability and putting the defense in a bind. If you're just trying to make him play like you're the predecessors in, in San Francisco. So yesterday was more of the same. Some really nice passes, mostly passes, uh, mostly not hitting the stuff in structure, getting away with one of the most egregious throws <laughs> into the end zone that became a touchdown. And of course, you know, where years ago we would have to defend ourselves and be like, oh, watch this touchdown. It's a turnover worthy play. And we did that. We tweeted that out. And most people are like, yeah, this is terrible. And he gets a touchdown out of it. Um, so, in other words, I, to sum it up, I, you're just getting a much more volatile experience from Trey Lance than you are the previous Niners quarterbacks, but I think you can eventually offset that once you tap into him in the run game, which you're not going to do in the preseason. So it's like you still got to see some of this in the regular season if he's going to be your guy as, as the starter. The Yeah, like the, the bad throws yesterday will get all the attention. The rare turnover-worthy touchdown where he puts the ball right in the hands of a defender only rare. for the defender not to catch it and actually fumble it towards a, a, a receiver who just catches it, gets the score. That, and then he threw the ball later in the game, like right to a linebacker again. Um, those will get all the attention. But actually, the first drive to me was the like the most worrying thing from a Lance within the Shanahan system point of view. He, they went three and out, right? And on all three dropbacks, Lance pulled the ball down rather than fire it at his first target, right? Which is not inherently bad. Like if the first guy's covered or if they, they're, they're uh, taking it away, fine, you're going to have to do that. But all three times he pulled the ball down, at least two of them the receiver was open or NFL open, you know, like not really, but enough to take the shot. Um, and on, on two of the three occasions, the best he could do once he pulled it down was to take a sack. Like he couldn't even find anything else like to, to do it. But that's what Shanahan wants the most, right, is just be decisive and take what I'm dialing up for you. I am creating these plays that will definitely get a guy open or at least open enough to take a shot. I need you to be decisive and hit him with the ball. Like I, This is why Shanahan has always lived with a guy like Garoppolo who every now and again will throw the ball straight to a linebacker because it's like, look, I want you to do that. I, if if the, there's a guy there, that's on me. That's, the, that's a breakdown in the play. But I'm going to dial up these guys that are open. I need you to drop back, be decisive, hit him with the ball, and let's cook. Lance was like indecisive. He was dithering. He pulled back and was like, oh, I don't know. Is it? And then sack. It's like that, that cannot fly. That's the one thing you cannot do in this offense is be indecisive, dithering, and just that, go nowhere. That's the argument for playing him, though. Offensive line depth aside, having him see it, game reps, and just getting quicker. It is Look, Jimmy Garoppolo's first preseason with the Patriots, he had that. As a rookie, I remember way back, 2014, he was a rookie, watching preseason games being like, man, Garoppolo, get rid of the ball. Like, why can't you? Like, he had the lightning quick release in college, and he was processing extreme, very slowly in the preseason as a rookie. And then now when you look at Garoppolo, it's like, no, that's part of his game is getting rid of the ball quickly and seeing the field, except for the, you know, couple times a game where things just don't go well. So that stuff can improve. I thought Carson Wentz improved that 
from college to the NFL, for whatever it's worth. So I think maybe the reps are the way to go in your initial take. Hey, just give Trey Lance to the rest of the rest of the preseason for the most part might be the uh, the smartest thing. Yeah, but I also think that that like at this point in his career, that's hugely concerning that he hasn't got that. Like, you would think he's had enough time there and with Shanahan that the message of I would rather you like the play where he threw the ball straight to a linebacker. I think Shanahan would prefer he makes those plays even more regularly than the first three and out. I mean, like, the touchdown pass? He'd prefer he throws the touchdown No, 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 the second one. The, oh, the one where he one. drops yeah, back, doesn't see the front side linebacker, yeah, and just yeah. fires the ball right to him. Like, Shanahan would prefer that than that three and out sequence at the start of the game where he couldn't commit to a throw and instead goes nowhere and takes sacks. Shanahan would like, like, just show me you have the guts to drop back, fire where I'm intending you to throw the ball. And if a guy, if a linebacker happens to be standing in the way, fine, we'll deal with that later. We'll like, we'll cover that in chapter two. But it'll for, crush for the, his PFF grade, but just right. that's, it's better for your development. But exactly. But for the moment, let's just trust that number one is going to be open, drop back and hit him. This season, DraftKings has launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history. Right now, you can enter into DraftKings best ball tournament for a shot at over $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. Make your entry into the draft today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the NFL season without having to worry about managing your roster, waiver wires, and more. To start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and then snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers. No ads, no drops, no trades, no, I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF to start playing best ball today. Join DraftKings' $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Just to put some numbers on this thing that we talked about of pressure and garbage offensive lines in the preseason, um, premium stats doesn't have yesterday's game in there, in, games in there yet, uh, but it's got everything before that. Even at this point, there are 15 quarterbacks that saw pressure on 50% of their dropbacks or more, and another half dozen that were 45% and above. That's like the catastrophic level of this is not going to fly, um, and almost all of those quarterbacks obviously played badly um, remember pressure rate is not just offensive line though it's a combination agreed but i it's think qb as well inviting uh, yeah pressure. but in this case i think the huge amount of that is the offensive lines all right let's put a bow on the rookie quarterbacks the other guys that are worth mentioning in particular stetson bennett with the rams yeah and aiden o'connell 
Now, you've got this tone in your voice with Stetson Bennett, and I'm going to you're probably going to say he kept throwing the ball to linebackers, and that's the your biggest takeaway on Stetson Bennett. Uh, yeah, probably my biggest takeaway was that he threw the ball to the defense three times. But my take is he did that early. I think he got his jitters out. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not saying it was good. I mean, I'm just I'm coming out of this like PFF grades the only thing when it comes to performance, just because it's the preseason and the grade itself doesn't really matter a that's whole not lot. even the grading thing that's just you can't really throw the ball to the defense three times yeah but i think he he, he had a couple of bad passes early yeah um he did have one a little bit later in the red zone where like, two of them came out of structure where he's just a little reckless with the ball but i thought there was a lot of positives then he settled down you know yeah after committing the, three critically egregious turnover worthy plays he then settled down and moved the team yeah those well. come and go but even then like part of moving it was getting an, a, a ridiculous penalty that extended the drive and gave them first and goal or whatever like i look trust me i am as much a stetson bennett stan as the next guy but i would not speak after that game there were other people out there going see he told you stetson bennett was a gamer I have made that point in the past. I would not make that point after that game. Like, I, you can't construct the argument that the, listen, he's a baller after that performance. Listen, I've come back. I've come back to social media a little bit. Yeah, I'm back. If you see, if you see at pff underscore Steve, if you saw me this week, I was tweeting through the whole thing. I was tweeting, tweeting through the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, so I'm in. I, I'm, I'm guilty of the thing I'm about to tell you in a minute here. Okay. I'm a little guilty. But what you run into here on the social media, particularly with a guy like Stetson Bennett and a couple other players, zero interceptions on the stat sheet, right? So the, obviously those, those few passes that we saw that we care about that fell incomplete didn't stop the drive, right? Didn't matter. They didn't. And then right. he did lead touchdown drives. And there were some actual positive takeaways sure. from Stetson Bennett in the game. I mean, plays. Yeah. And so people are going to, to lean into that. And we, I saw that with a whole bunch of, watch this rookie be disruptive on this one play. And everybody's like, he's him. That's the guy. He's awesome. We nailed it. It's like, well, he had 15 other plays that weren't great. But so, so the highlight reels are, you know, they, they, they might be misleading a little bit. The highlight reels that are on social media, there's a couple other players. Mozzie Smith with the Cowboys. Keanu Benton from the Steelers. The highlights were spectacular and awesome, and I think we should appreciate those, and we should be excited as fan bases. But it also doesn't mean that those guys, you know, dominated or were outstanding in their first game, didn't have negative plays, but we're only seeing the positive sometimes on social media. You're telling me highlights don't tell the full picture? Oh, yeah, that's what I said in a lot of words. Huh. Highlights don't tell the whole picture. Wow. That's breaking news here in the uh, the PFF NFL podcast. I'm reminding people because you know we, it's been seven months since we saw football games. Yeah, whatever it is, six months, and I'm just reminding people the highlight reels are not the whole story. So I'm not gonna. How does this differ? How does the Stetson Bennett thing differ from the Trey Lance thing from yesterday? The order, like, the order. Yeah. So because he got three, because he had three catastrophic plays right at the start, and then, and then pulled his head in. out of his ass briefly. Yeah. And and had some not terrible plays. Because he's a rookie, it's his first game, and there's a chance he just, you know, yeah, had some jitters. And then when he finally settled in in the second half, when everything is supposed to fall apart, you know, offensive line and all that you mentioned, he settled in was good. I think you could take that as a positive takeaway. Because the grade itself, like the actual grade doesn't matter. All you're trying to – this is the actual time that you're looking at 
traits and performance and how does he bounce back from mistakes or whatever. Like, that stuff actually matters when you're thinking, hey, will this guy be somebody going forward? Not he has a 40 passing grade. That's where it's different. Okay. Trey Lance is in year three, and the whole thing just looked bad from start to finish outside of two throws. Okay. That's the difference. All right. Uh, other guys to bring up. Um, Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders was a stud. He really was. Looked really good. <laughs> Aiden O'Connell absolutely carved up the 49ers backups. Um, Aiden O'Connell was a really interesting quarterback in the process because I think we mentioned this during the pre-draft stuff where if you watch his good plays and then watch his bad plays, and then you could make this case for a lot of quarterbacks, but like they genuinely looked like different people. The, yeah. the good plays, everything you would be writing down of the stuff he does well, like, wow, works through progressions, isn't fooled by defense, like blah, everything you write as a positive immediately disappears when you look at the turnover-worthy plays. You're like, what the hell is happening here? Everything I thought he was amazing at it just didn't happen on this play. It's like it's genuinely like a completely different quarterback who possesses completely different traits. Um, but the good was really good. Like if you – when you watch those plays, before you realize what he was capable of in a negative sense, you're like, wow, this is actually – there's a lot to like here. Um, and then you watch the negatives and you completely sour on them. Um, but yesterday was a game that just didn't have any of the negatives. Like he had a couple of big plays. He was making good decisions. He delivered the ball where it needed to be. He was making some throws under pressure. You know, it was actually, they weren't always pretty, but this was a lot like his college tape as well. He just found a way, right? And then usually what would happen in college is there would be a couple of catastrophic plays that would offset all that and make you go, eh, actually, you know, when it's all, when you add it all up, we're talking about somebody that's just meh. Uh, but he didn't have those yesterday. So without those, he is a really good player. He'll have a 90-plus grade most likely tomorrow. So Aiden O'Connell, when you see that on uh, premium stats, God willing, 90-plus uh, for Aiden O'Connell. Who? Uh, so you think he's probably due for all the bad plays next week, or do we get excited and, you know, Photoshop gold jackets on him? Well, I believe you've already done that. Um, well, I mean, look, judging from his college tape, he is already uh, at 20 dropbacks, overdue a catastrophic mistake. Now, maybe that won't happen. Maybe he's figured it out. Maybe it was a coaching problem. I don't know. Because of the can-do, and I know we push back against the can-do uh, for first-round quarterbacks throughout the process, but for a backup, that's intriguing to me. Sure. When a guy does have the wow, he, a little bit of wow factor to his game like Aiden O'Connell does, it's easier for me as a backup to look into that and say, okay, maybe we can cut back on the mistakes and we have something yeah. here. I mean, look, when you're drafting quarterbacks in the mid to low rounds, all you're looking for is construct an argument to me that this guy can be an NFL player. And the argument for O'Connell is the classic coaching hubris argument of, well, if I can just stop him making the boneheaded mistakes, we've got a really good player on our hands. I mean, so far that's happened, right? It's, it's 20 dropbacks or whatever of preseason so it might be completely meaningless. It might just be a run of 20 plays. Like the Jordan Love comment we were making before, right? He had nine amazing dropbacks against Philadelphia. The 10th might have been him beating a linebacker in the face with the ball. We just didn't get there yet, right? O'Connell's 21st dropback could have been him completely misreading coverage and firing the ball at the double coverage for a hideous interception. But we didn't get to that. Um, so as of right now, all the evidence is that guy played amazingly well and you know is excited or is a guy to be excited about who knows what the future will bring anything else on rookie quarterbacks uh technically technically 
I believe. I'm, I'm pushing back against it. <laughs> Technically, I believe Nathan Rourke is a rookie. Because so, he spent, what, two years in Canada? Yeah, three, I think. Three, we, okay. have, we have Nathan Rourke in our database yeah. as class of 2023. I the NFL He's not the class of 2023. Right. It's but class I, of 2019. And I've just asked our people, our people. live here on the show, yeah. hey, what's up with Nathan Rourke? I'm in the chat, Molly chat. Over I here. believe the NFL trees. By the way, I shouldn't guys. say that. That's it's the name of our system. It's our depth chart chat, actually. Yeah. I believe the NFL treats those guys as rookies. Anyway, Nathan, who uh, very by the book, Nathan, very, very black and white in his thinking, right? Data centric. Nathan no, says, Yankee rather than Rourke. Yankee, not Rourke. Right. Nathan Yankee. Hmm. I said, should Nathan Rourke actually be class of 2019? That's when he graduated college. That's usually how we do draft class. He said, yeah, a rookie is someone in their first year in the league. The NFL considers him a rookie. See, Nate knows. So we'll consider Nathan Rourke is up for rookie of the year. I mean, that's the important part is I believe that the NFL treats those guys as rookies. So technically, technically, Nathan Rourke, even though he graduated a couple of years ago, is an NFL rookie. And he is now owner of one of the top five plays in NFL history. It's just that nobody's going to remember it after like a week and a half because it happened in the week one preseason game. It's, it, it was incredible. If anyone like, can we pull up that play? Are we allowed to show the play? I don't think so. It, but anyone, Google it, right? Just or put it into Twitter. Nathan Rourke, whatever. It'll come up immediately as a highlight reel play. It is, it is a better play than Eli Manning's helmet catch play that happened in the Super Bowl. But Eli Manning did his on the biggest stage possible, and Nathan Rourke did his on the worst stage possible. Oh, uh, PSA, PSA for this. It came against third stringers. Yeah, that's important. But it's genuinely one of the best plays anybody has ever pulled off at any level of the game. But it happened in at the ass end of a preseason game, so it's not going to be remembered at all. It's incredible. He under pressure, obviously, because third string, you know, fourth quarter in a preseason game. It looks a lot like the helmet catch play, right? He's he's basically buried under a couple of linemen and somehow emerges from the other side of this. Then a third one like jumps on his back, and rather than like hitting the deck, going to ground. He just, like, steadies himself with a dude on his back trying to drag him to the ground. And, like, Andrew Luck-style fires a ball to somebody, hits him, touchdown. Incredible play. It was The unreal. best play of the yes. weekend, or the week, the, the preseason. Absolutely absurd. Um, oh, we're going to show it. Oh, look. We're YOLO. Just out here. YOLO. We're scrolling. We're, uh, we're scrambling. Crime. We get tackled. No, we get tackled. We get tackled. We're about to get tackled. We're going down. Nope. In stride up the sideline. This is fan. That was fan video or something. People, uh, people mention every now and again that we should do like a watch along. You know, I, it's just I, it's just become apparent to me that you would be a terrible play-by-play guy. Terrible, awful. That was bad from a play-by-play standpoint. Oh yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't in uh, play-by-play mode. Oh, I see. So we did a. Um... We did a trial run a couple of years ago. What would a watch along look like if we were doing like a stat centric broadcast? And so the person I was doing it with was trying to be the play by play person and I was doing color. Yeah. And what you realize is how little the play by play person actually talks. I believe you would be a much better game. color guy than a play by play guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But you, you don't realize how little Al actually talks. <laughs> you know, he's, he's like second and eight, first down. And that's how Pat Summerall did it. Keep it simple. 
Let the other guy do the yeah. do the Whereas color. You're out here trying to blow by blow what's happening on the screen. That was just natural excitement. Oh, I see. That was natural excitement for me. Okay. By the way, I think Sean McVay, when he's doing the sideline interviews, he could probably call a game as both a coach and commentator all at the same time. It's insane how like they're so he he's doing a live interview from the sideline with our buddy friend of the show, Andrew Siciliano, as the play by play guy, and then Big Wit. Andrew Whitworth as the color guy. And as he's talking, somebody busts off a big run. And Siciliano's immediate reaction as the, co- as the play-by-play guy is so like, oh, and McVeigh is immediately from the sideline going, don't worry about it, don't even waste your breath, it's a holding call, it's coming back. Like, yeah. as it's happening, the dude's at like the 30-yard line running for the end zone. But he, and McVeigh's like, don't sweat it, it's coming back, holding call, forget it, don't even holding. waste your breath. And he's calling this while he was recalling a play a quarter ago. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're slide protection left, back blew it, a little quick pressure, missed the hot, and then, oh, yeah, that's, that's a holding. And that's coming Cicilli's back. And then like, breaks through at the 20. Don't even waste your breath. Forget about it. It's, so, not, it's coming back. McVay's re- breaking down old plays and in real time calling the actual play yeah. from the sideline with a terrible angle on all right. of this. And uh, I'm, I was just impressed. And he's able to notice holding on the play while it's happening. Romo could never. <laughs> All right, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. The chat wants us to talk about DTR's second straight impressive week and uh, a, a mighty roar from the, uh, from the sound booth here from Tyler. Yeah. DTR looks good once again. He times does. Two. It's, I mean, it's oh, definitely. He had, look at the, he had the graphic all fired up. Oh, yeah. He, had he made the Saturday night prepped. right after the game. We are definitely approaching again. We are approaching the level where I'm going to have to take DTR seriously as a as a quarterback. Having said that, we're still 26 snaps deep into his career, so let's you know, let's not go crazy. But so, he looked good. I mean, he he did all those things that you're like trying to look for. Like any quarterback playing at that level, backups, blah blah blah. You're dealing with problematic play, so just take the easy stuff, hit what's there, like be decisive, do the stuff we're criticizing Trey Lance for now. It is worth noting that Cleveland's backup offensive line situation is better than others, you know? Like, they have some offensive linemen that can play running with the second and the third strings. Um, but, no, he's looked good. Like, I, I cannot – I can't criticize him in terms of, oh, there's a lot of bad stuff there that's not being shown up in the stat sheet. He's playing really well. All we're dealing with at the moment is a sample size problem. A lot of times I look for comfort level from the rookies, comfort level with DTR yeah. through the roof. Now, the – the classic risk, like you can, you can sort of point to all these things. We want to see this. We want to see that. And there's always a, a there's always a cautionary tale. Zach Wilson looked like the most comfortable rookie quarterback that year. He went out there, executed that offense almost flawlessly in preseason. And the thing that was jumping out to everybody was he just looks so comfortable back there. Like he's just he's doing all the stuff we talked about with DTR, dropping back, hitting the open guy, making it look easy. Not you know worrying not doing anything too panicked and then got to the regular season and just fell apart so it's not like seeing it means it's going to translate to the the regular season but it is important to see it I mean if the alternative is you look like Trey Lance out there now you're like oh this is this feels problematic all right two more names I just have to throw out there really quick yep Tanner McKee Mm. one big time throw yes and uh look decent so far Mm -hmm. rest in peace Mike Renner your takes on Tanner McKee. Not rest in peace your takes, but just you yourself. His first play, I think, was an absolute dime. Yeah. So the Mojo stock probably spiked at that point. Yeah, Renner's just cashing in Mojo stock right, right. now on Tanner McKee. And um, Malik Cunningham, 
in very limited time for the Patriots. Yeah. You know, weaving his way for a touchdown and, and looking mobile. And then yesterday at practice, for whatever it's worth, taking a whole bunch of QB reps. They had been moving him around positionally, right. moving him at receiver. He had this uh, interesting career at Louisville. Louisville. And uh, can move. Yeah, absolutely. No, he looked good. I mean, he was the only thing going right for that Patriots offense in that game. Again, albeit limited samples. Um, one more name I want to throw out at you, actually. One more. Sean Clifford. We came out of that joint practice with the, with the Bengals, essentially asking why, in God's name, Sean Clifford was getting reps with the second string. Like, this cannot work as a backup at any level. Forget it. Like, this is just not viable. There's, it's just a matter of time before Alex Magoo, uh, USFL, MVP, MVP yes. jumps him on the depth chart and he becomes backup. This was the best version of Sean Clifford I think I've ever seen at any level. He looked really good for most of that game. Um, like, genuinely, okay, there was one play in there, I think, that was pretty bad that came quite late on. Uh, the, the interception, the second one. Um, but Pick six to Tyson Anderson? Yeah. yeah. Was that the first one? That was the Whatever. first one, actually. They yeah. were both not great. Okay, so that was really bad. Receiver may have been not good on the first one. I didn't really check the Yeah, the other on one, it, I think, was questionable. But that one, the pick six, was bad. Um, but... Everything else looked pretty good. I was quite impressed by Clifford's Clifford. with the Packers. Um, and from Walt, Walt had a question I answered. Uh, Clifford, he, yeah, he was taking all the backup reps with the Packers when we were there at practice. Right. And, uh, and looked terrible doing it. Like, yeah. do, look, again, look kind of like the Trey Lance thing where, I mean, in practice you don't see, you don't get true sacks the way you do in a game, right, where a guy gets taken to the ground and it's done. If they get there, they sort of play on, you know. It's like – there's a tip of the cap and an acknowledgement that you got the sack, and then the offense gets allowed to sort of complete the play. If they were tracking sacks properly, Clifford must genuinely have been approaching the level of like being sacked more often than actually getting the ball out. Like, forget the pressure rate being above 50%. He was having a sack rate above 50%. Like, just completely non-viable offense. And then he got out, got out there in the game, and it's like, this is, this is literally better than I've ever seen Sean Clifford look, even in college. So overall, not bad by the rookie quarterbacks. Maybe not as much on the, the big-name end where there was a smaller sample, but some of the right. mid-round players, QBs, look pretty good. So um, let's transition to some non-rookie quarterbacks. Jordan Love. Oh, we're still on quarterbacks? Okay. Well, yeah. look, you have to – we talked about Sean Clifford. You have to cover Jordan Love. Um, one of the, again, big takeaways we had from that scrimmage was uh, Jordan Love looks kind of tentative. He's being conservative. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. And then almost immediately in the game, like, drops back and fires a bomb to Christian Watson. And it was a really good pass as well. And Watson had your boy DJ Turner smoked on the play. Probably would have been like an absolute, I don't know where the yardage line was, but would have been a huge touchdown. But for Dax Hill coming from center field to break it up with a great pass breakup. That's just what we call model help. You see model DJ help. Turner, model guy, he's getting torched, but other model guy comes from center field and, and breaks it up to save him. That's how we do it. Yeah. Pick each other up when you're you know, top-notch top draft model guys. Yeah. yeah, that was impressive, Dax Hill. It's a great play. That was a really nice play in center field. Who needs Jesse Bates? We're in the overreaction show. Don't need him. Got Dax Bates. Hill, he's ready. All right. Um, Jordan, so he throws a touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. I love nice that we're well. sitting there. That was the play at practice that I tweeted out where I said, Christian Watson, tight split, 
You put him in a tight split, the defense has to account for him, mm-hmm. right? So I saw it at practice. Watson's one-on-one. He runs away from the D. They did. They ran this last year as well. It's not nothing new. Right. They're running those red zone crossers. Watson's wide open for the touchdown in practice. On that particular game play, Watson draw, draws two defenders. Love throws it up the other way to Dobbs for the touchdown, and I think it shows the Christian Watson effect. What I I liked about that play from a Jordan Love perspective is he put some touch on the pass. Yeah. Like one of, I I think he struggles with that generally. He has the Ryan Mallett, RIP, um, tendency of everything is a bullet. That's a legit RIP and very sad. No, it is. I hadn't, I forgot that the man had passed away until I was invoking his name for a quarterbacking trait. I know. Um, But Ryan Mallett, every pass he had was 100 miles an hour. Like, he yeah. didn't have the touch on his passes. Everything he threw was was full speed. Jordan Love has a bit of that as well, where it seems to be, like, his default position seems to be max power on every throw. Um, and that was an example where he wound off the power. He was like, this is, I don't need to fire this in at a million miles an hour. Let's put a little loft on the ball and let Romeo Dobbs go make a play. And he did. So, I, look, between being aggressive right out of the gate between showing a bit of touch on that pass. I, that was an encouraging, uh, not debut, but an encouraging you know, start for, uh, for Jordan Love. What else you got? Kenny Pickett looking good? Kenny Pickett looking good. George Pickens looking good? Yeah. I mean, George Pickens just carving through defense. Given, given the rules here at PFF and how we're supposed to hate the Steelers, I am – I don't know, I might get fired soon because I've been real positive about the Steelers. I got a lot of positive things to say about Pittsburgh. Not the city, the Steelers. Oh, that's all. Same, I got a lot of, we'll talk about their rookies maybe in, yeah. a, in a minute here. I mean, when you're dealing with sort of starters that don't play a lot, all you can really hope to see is just execute a clean drive, you know, march down the field, score, get off, get off the field. That's it. And he did. And he looked really good doing that. So this, we debated before, you know, Kenny Pickett apparently has thrown one interception in training camp, all of it. And that one hit his receivers in the hands. It's like, well, does that, is that a good thing, actually? Does it mean he's being too conservative? And then he goes out there and just efficiently dices up the Bucks and scores a touchdown. So everything's looking good for Kenny Pickett at the moment. Sam Howell, solid. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Davis Mills and Kellen Mond looked really good too. Davis Mills looked good. Yeah, he did. Bobby's, you know, he's taken to Bobby's coaching. I mean, look, we—I think every single one of those top rookies is going to end up starting. The first rounders, Levis, obviously won't. Um, I, whatever stage they're at in the training camp battle of the official, you know, putting them as number one, I think all of them are going to start week one. Um, there's definitely a non-zero chance, though, that Davis Mills in PFF Bobby's offense is actually a better option than C.J. Stroud right out of the gate. Like, the stuff that Stroud is is theoretically going to struggle with. You know, play under pressure. What happens if your number one guy isn't open? How long can you actually just stand there staring at your number one before he is open without, like, telegraphing a safety right to that spot? That's the kind of stuff where Davis Mills has a leg up on him. And Mills has played okay for a couple of years in a bad offense, in a bad situation. Again, in theory, all of that should be better. So, I mean, are obviously invested in putting Stroud out there, but he might not be the best option right away. My take is always do what's best for C.J. Stroud, not what's best for winning games in week one. Uh, So there's a difference there. So whatever's best for Stroud. If you think he needs more time to develop, then roll with Davis Mills. 
But yeah, I mean, if you're just saying like who's who's a better option right now based off four dropbacks of Stroud and 13 of Davis Mills, it looks like Mills. Yeah. How's that for an overreaction? It's a good one. Um, okay. Classic overreaction. I saw Justin Fields' stat line, and therefore he's, a hall, he's an all-pro right now. <laughs> Three passes, what, 127 yards and a touchdown. It doesn't yeah. get any better than that. It does not get any better than that. So he's, 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 he's perfect as a passer now as well. It was unbelievable. And uh, look, I'm going to call you out, main account oh. at PFL. I'll call yeah. you out. Putting out context-free, <laughs> three for three, buck 29, touchdown, perfect passer rating stats, yeah. just for the clicks. Okay. Look, I put stuff out for the clicks. Whatever. It's clicks, clicks count now. Elon. Well, he had like the quarterback equivalent of that. But we that, put out the stat line. Yeah. But the quarterback equivalent stat line of that Randy Moss graphic, you know, where he's carving up yeah. Dallas. It was like three catches for 160 yards and a, three touchdowns. Like Fields basically had that in preseason form. As except, a quarterback. Yeah. Except the totality of the air yards of those three passes was minus seven. Yeah. All That's what them. it should have said is that the, the next line should have said air yards, negative two or whatever it was. Negative seven. Was it legit negative seven? Each one air of yards, them, negative seven. Each one of them was behind the line of scrimmage for a combined negative seven yards. Come on. We're leading, we can't lead people astray as PFF. We cannot teach them wrong stuff. Like, look at this three for three, buck 29, touchdown, perfect passer rating stat line. Justin Fields is tearing it up. Add some context there. I mean, the good PFF thing is. PFF grade, whatever, 65 on that. That's right. the real context there. The great thing is it shows what DJ Moore is capable of, which is obviously critical to that offensive success. And, oh, by the absolutely. way, to Justin Fields' success. Like, generally speaking, you're not going to have 100% of your yardage accounted for this way. But if DJ Moore is able to add like a 20% of his yardage to as these like free plays where Fields basically does nothing and then it benefits to the tune of, you know, a 60-yard touchdown or whatever, like that boosts his stat line, his production, and everything overall. So it's great from a Bears perspective. It just doesn't necessarily indicate much about Justin Fields. Or from a Titans perspective, like, all right, that's did you, uh Did you see the graphic that they put up during the Panthers-Jets game? comparing Bryce Young and Aaron Rodgers. Nope. So it was like, you know, career touchdowns, 400 and whatever for Rodgers, zero for Bryce Young. And then it was debut. <laughs> it was well, Bryce like, Young's terrible. Well, so it was debut, and it was like, whatever it was, 2005 for Rodgers, parentheses, NFL. And then debut, 2001 for Bryce Young, parentheses, life. Great was- graphic. Amazing. This graphic. was on the Jets broadcast or P- the Panthers. I don't know who's brought who was responsible. It would have been the Panthers for it. probably. They were home, but it was funny. It was good, and I applaud it. Yeah, fun times, fun times. Who else? Ju- who uh, else? Tank Dell. Uh, no, no, one more quarterback. One oh, more quarterback. We're still on quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, we're an hour into the show, man. No, we, we promised we wouldn't do this. What? Let's just let's go throw by throw <laughs> on everybody. Uh, Russ might still be cheeks. I tuned in late. Tuned in late. Saw him hit a little glance off the play action and yeah. tweeted he was back. He was back? I thought that okay. was his first pass. <laughs> thought he was back. Yeah. Wasn't back. I was making ribs. Not back. Not back. Friday night. Now, he didn't look the worst I've seen him. He didn't look good. You know? And I think it's fairly significant as well that, you know, in this world of, like, offense or in this world of starters are basically not playing at all in preseason – Sean Payton was like, you're staying out there until you do something good. Yeah. You're not coming off this field until I feel good about what's happened. Keep going. 
So he was out there for like what are 20 snaps or something. With the first team, like they left the whole offense out there. Like, come on, come on. They scored a touchdown. Arizona was just going full zero blitz, all out blitz. They do it a couple different times in that game, which you don't always see in the preseason, particularly week one. Yeah. And uh, and then Jerry Judy just uh, I don't know who he was destroyed in coverage, but hits they hit the slant for a touchdown. A play after Judy dropped one, dropped a, yeah. a wide open pass. It is like it wasn't that bad, was it? For Wilson. Russ? That wasn't that. I mean, like I said, he played a lot worse last year, but it wasn't. You didn't come out of that being like, ah, oh, Sean Payton's fixed him. Back, good times are rolling again, baby. You came out of that and you're like, Ugh. Okay, the last QB take. Baker Mayfield outplayed Kyle Trask okay. in week one. Next. That's it. Yeah. Now you're ready. Now you're done. Now we can talk. That's about like it. an actual quarterback battle there. So. Sure. There we go. We're an hour into the show, and we're on to non-QB takes. Tank Dell. Tank Dell's going to the Hall of Fame as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He was good. Tank looked really good. He was not covered for basically the entirety of that game. That's the uh, Texans' third-round receiver. Yes. Third Otherwise, round. Yes. One of my favorites in the draft. It was. It was all about backing up your priors. That's all we're going to do. Absolutely. No, he looked really good. Like, um, genuinely. Sam Howell looked good, too, for the chat. There you go. Okay. Genuinely, Tank Dell was basically not covered for that game at all. He ends up with five catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown was one of these sort of highlight reel plays where it looks incredible because he dropped it initially. You know, ball comes in, hits him in the hands, he drops it, and then he like makes one of those circus, regathers it as he's sliding out of bounds. It's like, oh, look at the concentration. It's like, yeah, well, a better concentration would have just been to catch the ball when it arrived the first time. I just appreciate that you said that negative. Uh, actually added a negative there for Tank. He should have just caught it cleanly. Right. So I'm always – it's good that he caught the touchdown. It would have been better if he'd simply caught it easily the first time rather than, you know, gone to the trouble of the circus catch at the end of it. But it's still a good thing. Um, but more impressive was if you watched him just run around – like – uh, the, the interception, C.J. Stroud's pick, where he stares down. Like, Tank Dell put the corner in an absolute blender and was wide the hell open, other than the fact that a safety undercut it. Undercut it you just quoted Mike Renner's tweet. It was, I mean, he word was right. Word Really? He said in a blender? He um, did. He said, yeah, yeah. Tank Dell I mean, put he the had that guy in a blender on a seven stop. He had him absolutely turned around and nowhere. And then the, the ball's under or not underthrown, it's undercut and picked off. He was doing that all night. Like, they were not covering Tank Dell at all, and he was lining up both, you know, predominantly outside. He looks really good. I mean, he looks like he did in college. Like, this, everyone's scared because he's 5'9", 165 pounds. But what if he's just as good as he, like, the same with the Bryce Young discussion. What if he's just as good as he was in college, and it doesn't matter that he's tiny? I'm telling you, that was the story of this draft, was undersized Really good football players. Deuce Vaughn at running back. Tank Dell at receiver. Deuce. Bryce Young at quarterback. Some undersized, really good football players. Not just players. undersized, but like historic historic outliers. Like yeah. we have basically never seen this before. And that's how good they are. Like yeah. Tank Dell looked amazing. Tank Dell looked quick, fast, and uh, was always open. And, and good hands. It's, it's in good hands, and it's week one. Keep feeding him. And he will, I think he can make a year one impact. Yeah, absolutely. In that receiving core. No reason he shouldn't. All right, get some other players ready to talk about it. If you haven't heard already, though, it's smooth sack summer. <laughs> when you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped from uh, pubes to bum here. So. Uh -huh. That's right. This summer, to keep your balls cool, 
you, wait, that's right. It is the summer to keep your balls cool. Yeah. While still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we'll all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into smooth sex summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code PFF. Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It has everything you need to prepare for that summer bod. They've built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed. Did I mention this trim is waterproof as well? Beach, lake, or shower? This razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0. It's the boxers, Manscaped boxers, that is, and the shed travel bag. So you get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping. Codes PFF at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Get on or get left behind. Get on board. Get left behind. You, uh, you as a UFC fan, um, did you see the moment, like one of the famous sort of post-match moments where Derek Lewis won a, won a fight and then takes his shorts off in the ring? And Joe Rogan cruises up to him. He's like, uh, why did you take your shorts off? And he says, because my balls was hot. And you just surprised. I understand. Gary's on. They've turned that into a Manscaped ad. Like, really? Yeah. Manscaped will stop your balls being hot. So Derek Lewis is now a Manscaped spokesman because of that. It's genius. It really is. Just take your shorts off. You never know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. That's All a, right. It's a real uh, thing to live life by. Real mantra. Just saying. Good things, <laughs> good things can happen. When you take your shorts off. Uh, what else do we want to overreact to, react to players? Oh, the classic, maybe the most impressive, or maybe the most perfect overreaction uh, candidate of the entire week, Jalen Carter, Hall oh, of Famer. Beautiful. Uh, his first rep in the NFL was an instant win and a hit on the quarterback, Good almost a sack, and he played two snaps. That's all you need. Played one more, and then they were like, all right, that's it, done. Even Sean Payton would say, all right, seen enough. Right. Get out of here. You get, you, you're right there until you do something good. Okay, you did something good. You, you can take a seat now. Eagles took him at 10. Nine, sorry. Traded up to nine. Yeah. To get Jalen Carter. And, uh, yeah, I think he, he can make an instant impact. I think he's the, I think he's the safest on-field player from a projection. In the draft, it was only the off-field questions for Carter. Yeah, so he looked like a stud on that one play. <laughs> that one play. And that's all that matters. Against Ben Cleveland, right? Against Ben Cleveland. Everybody's, yeah. ah, it's Ben Cleveland. Can't. Um, some, some other news we got to touch on, too. Jadavian Clowney visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Should we touch on that now? Or? I mean, that's a perfect addition to that team of underachieving first-rounders on the defensive line. That's how you're going to position it, huh? Yeah. Josh Allen's been For the good. moment. Josh Allen has been good, yeah. The rest of them, not so much. I like it as a depth play. Um, you have to understand who Jadavian Clowney is. He's always been a much better run defender than pass rusher. And his pass rush, his sack totals have fluctuated through the years while his pass rush grade has stayed relatively consistent. So he's a good, solid addition. But that get, the head, you can hedge a little bit. If ja- He also visited the Ravens. But if the Jags bring him in, Trayvon Walker, who has that, you know, not lived up to number one overall hype through one year, for whatever that's worth. Uh, Dwayne Smoot's there. Caleb on chase on. Absolute underachieving first rounder. I mean, and then Josh Allen, who's been solid. Clowney would be the second best player on that, uh, in that edge group immediately. He's also become one of these guys that has like a 90-grade game 
and then nothing for a while, and then a 90-grade game. Like, if you can, if he has those on command, then you could just bring him in, right? And be like, listen, just mail it in until we reach January. Give me the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Mail it in until we hit week 17. If we need a win in week 17, that's when you turn it on. If not, wait till the, the wild card round, and then you turn it on then. Like, if you can get you know it. that's not how sports works, right? Maybe it is for Clowney. This, this he, man he just pick and choose his 90 plus games this was he wants. the number one overall pick true maybe he maybe he's just like look i only need to turn it on for two three games a year that'll keep the checks rolling in and outside of that you know i just i just show up good enough is good enough you know and that's what i'm shooting for except for those two three games just to make people go well maybe i can get the best out of him this year you don't know maybe don't that's know. how he treats the whole thing Anyway, I think that would be a good move for the Jags. I'm always in favor of late Clowney. signing Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> always in favor of it, as long as expectations are set. He's not the quote-unquote 10-sack guy, no matter where he lands in sack totals. He's a fine pass rusher, not great, decent football player. Yeah, I mean, he upgrades that defensive line because of the underachieving of pretty much everybody else on it except uh, Josh Allen. So, therefore, it's fine. All right, what other... Priors, do you want to absolutely confirm based off of 15 snaps? Based on Will McDonald snaps. for the Jets. How about the – let's talk Jets defensive line. Yeah, well, every game I, you sort of left with the same question. It's, it's like, am I watching the second coming of the Purple People Eaters or is this just garbage offensive line play at this point in the game? And generally speaking, I think it's probably garbage offensive line play for the most part. But – you're like deep into games and the Jets are still rolling out Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, and Bryce Huff, guys who were like productive last year, some of them in the NFL. Bryce Huff in particular. Yeah, yes. in the regular season. You're like, that's kind of unfair. <laughs> Most teams do not have an offensive line that can block those guys. Like starting offensive lines would have their hands full with that trio, and yet they're sort of cruising out there deep into the in a preseason game still smoking dudes so yeah the Jets defensive line has looked nasty so far this preseason Will McDonald looking uh, very explosive 15th overall pick you loved him mm -hmm. as an edge defender we saw a really good spin move from him we saw him beating tackles to the edge with with this burst that we knew existed just to rewind a little bit at Iowa State they play that 3-3-5 where the three the defensive end in the three on the defensive line there is basically like a glorified defensive tackle. So Will McDonald at 240 pounds was playing like an old school 3-4 defensive end type of role right. for on early downs in particular, where he's got to mix it up in a phone booth against tackles and guards in the run game and you know not really have the edge to, to rush against. When Robert Sala in the draft... Jets draft him. They said, we're going to move you to wide nine, meaning we're going to move you outside, give you that opportunity to actual, actually be a bursty, explosive edge rusher that you are. And that's what they've done. He's played wide nine. He's got room to rush, uses athleticism. And when Quinn and Williams is out there and Carl Lawson and all those dudes, man, they look like they could have a really effective and deep defensive line. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're starting to look like the Eagles in terms of they can go seven guys deep with – significant pressure in the regular season i mean will mcdonald has six pressures right now from 27 rushes which is that you know almost 25 percent 20 25 percent um pass rush win rate which is very very good i mean he looks explosive he looks um fluid in movement he looks able to win in a variety of different ways and given the role they're likely to give him who cares about the run game 
I think is how they're going to approach it. And that's and rightfully so. McDonald, he was he did disrupt a couple run plays, but he got absolutely wrecked on another one. I don't know who the tight end was, but not only did he get reached, but he also got pancaked about five yards down the field. That's why the defense grade is going to be a little bit lower for yeah. Will McDonald right there. But if he's, you just make him a designated pass rusher, right. especially in year one, and he will be effective. And he could probably, if the Jets are actually winning games, even if Will McDonald's not an effective pass rusher, he's probably going to be a 10 sack type of player if they give him those opportunities if he get rushes 350 times right in the hall of fame game he he blew a gap i think or, or, or lost the edge so there's there's probably going to be some bad plays in the run game but as much as possible i think they're going to essentially take that off his plate and say don't worry about it try and get to the quarterback uh i have something else to bring to the table do you have anything you want to or uh, players or takes overreactions whatever it might be no, what have you got? What I want to speak glowingly about the Pittsburgh Steelers oh. for a little bit. Okay. There's a couple different players here. You've got Calvin Austin yes. as a deep threat, led the Steelers in both receiving yards and rushing yards, mm-hmm. has the uh, bomb for a touchdown from Mason Rudolph, and Calvin Rid- uh, Austin, I keep wanting to say Ridley, who you loved coming out. I, I really enjoyed his tape coming mm-hmm. out. Speed, quicks. If he becomes the Khalif Raymond in that offense, Khalif Raymond from the Lions, who is just speed, deep threat, they take two or three shots to him per game, and that has been very successful for the Lions offense the last few years. I think Calvin Austin can be that guy for the Steelers, plus some of the other stuff he does, jet sweeps. and. But if it's George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and whatever they get from Allen Robinson and the tight ends, and then, oh, by the way, Calvin Austin's in there with his speed and quickness. Now you've got, as I always talk about building the basketball team, well, here's your point guard. that some, You need somebody to cover him as a deep threat. You need somebody to cover uh, George Pickens. You need somebody to cover the big two tight ends. It is really going to challenge defenses. So Calvin Austin exploding as a deep threat through one week is uh, – it's a good development for the Steelers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he brings something to that receiving core that nobody else has. Like, he has blazing straight line speed who, who can be a genuine vertical threat and, you know, one of those sort of bubble screen gimmick players that can break one off at that point as well. Like, as much as we like that receiving core generally, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, um, Deontay Johnson, even a tight end, Pat Fryermuth, it's not – blessed with a ton of deep speed like George Pickens the one question mark you would have about him is can he really separate uh or can he run away from guys over the top it's more like he'll be there and then he'll win at the catch point Austin brings something completely different like that and that's useful even if that's all he is if he's just that designated one trick pony it's a one trick that isn't there otherwise so it's huge potentially well I loved Nick Herbig coming out of the draft Edge rusher from Wisconsin, fourth rounder for the Steelers, looking good in his debut. Just a lot to like about the Steelers. They used Pickens. The Pickens highlight was a slant where he ran away from the right. defense for a touchdown. That's that's different for him. It's made, usually just contested catches. Made the poor safety look very silly. Yeah, that like my overreaction might be we're underrating the Steelers this yeah. year. And, I don't think we're underrating them. I I mean it, I think that entire division has the capability of winning the division. Um, and I feel good about saying I liked their offseason. I've liked the Steelers' offseason right. this year. I like I liked what they've built. My concern was always that they were going to be playing from behind from uh, 
QBing standpoint in that division behind Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. But, you know, Pickens, I mean, Pickett was good down the stretch, good in this immediate preseason game, and the rest of the roster's solid, and you got Mike Tomlin keeping it all together. Did you have any um, kind of either schematic or player role takeaways from the week? Like, oh, here's a thing that actually indicates a guy is going to be used either differently or the same as we thought you know, backing up that confirmation. Really putting me on the spot here. But yeah, I've got one if you want to, you know, you I, I do have an answer for a little bit. I have an answer, though. It's Elijah Moore in the Browns. Okay. We saw the, there was the preseason video. And based off my, my Twitter feedback, every time I tweet Elijah Moore stuff, those things go to the moon. Oh. So we're going to talk more about Elijah Moore on my Twitter <laughs> feed, even though he got hurt. That might kill In the kill podcast, things. apparently. In the podcast. Yeah. So Elijah Moore, there was a video last week of him lining up in the backfield in the red zone, running a little out route for a touchdown. The Browns put it into the game where Elijah Moore, on the first two plays, they go empty. He's in the slot. They throw a little quick pass to him. And then the next play, he's in the backfield as the running back with Deshaun Watson runs a little buck sweep for 18 yards, whatever it was. So Elijah Moore, former Jets second rounder. And by the way, he wasn't just a second rounder. He was the 34th pick in the draft. Fringe first rounder, Elijah Moore who barely did anything with the Jets for two years, Browns trade for him, and it looks like they're going to feature him. So he eventually got hurt, and I know he only, he only had two touches, but he's going to see the field early and often in that receiving core, and they're moving him into the backfield. I think that was somewhat notable here in week one. Yeah, that's not a bad one. What you got? Um, so I think it was interesting the way the Lions did or did not feature Jameer Gibbs. You know, one of the discussion points coming out of their draft was look you don't take a running back that high but don't even think about him as a running back we are talking about a weapon here we're talking about a chess piece we're talking about a guy that's just going to make plays all over the field and actually he's going to look more like a slot receiver or whatever he's going to take the Khalif Raymond touches who by the way Raymond signs an extension the other day and then critically now again we're talking really small sample size he was on the field for not that many snaps whatsoever. But every single one of those snaps was just as a running back. 18 snaps. Um, and they were, you know, just running back snaps. We didn't do anything crazy. We didn't line them up out wide. We didn't, you know, make him into a, just a, a, a trick player. He just played running back. I disagree. You disagree. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying it matters. I'm just saying it didn't happen. This, this, I know. this stuff we're those talking are- about. The Elijah Moore plays, the, oh, let's get creative here. Let's make him into our, you know, weapon. Those are game plan plays. It's just. Those are game plan. Went out there and played running back. Those are game plan plays. Okay. Having said that, so, okay, let's. I I have a counterpoint to that, to your uh, game plan. Uh, Devin Achain, the Miami Dolphins uh, rookie running back, was used extensively in the past game. Like, they are clearly going to feature that guy as a receiver in that offense as a you know a receiving running back who lines up in in a bunch of different places yeah so it's not like you just keep that powder dry and never show it until the the regular season every team does it differently and a lot of it's formationally right so when you if you're going to line up your running back out wide it's like hey we're just we're in base personnel and we're just going to go empty here on first down like the browns did so I, i don't think there's much to to glean from that i will say the the other stuff that's making the rounds was uh, jameer gibbs being perfect in pass protection because mm-hmm. the few times that he engaged the blockers he did block pretty well 
um, he did blow a couple pass pro assignments that will show up in the PFF grade. So once, um, you know, been defending our grades for 12 years now, why not continue? Hmm. Com- completely took the uh, outside man instead of the inside guy on one time, got his quarterback hit. So he didn't engage either blitzer, but he picked the wrong one, and he picked the other one, uh, wrong one, I think, on another play as well. So um, that is actually something to keep an eye on with Gibbs because you always talk about, you always hear about running back and pass protection and making sure it's not about their ability to square up and actually block somebody. That's not the thing people are looking at with rookie running backs. That's a skill that you pretty much have an idea of if a guy can block when, they're, when they come in, right? That's a skill thing. It's the mental part of the game and making sure you're, blo- you're actually blocking the right guy. Because a lot of times the running back, have to, they have to scan both sides of the field. They have, to, they have to see a lot in real time. So when we talk about running backs, rookie running backs in particular, in pass protection, it's not about did they square him up and block him most of the time. It's usually did they even block the right guy. And there was a couple questionable plays in there for Gibbs. Um, that said, I thought he looked pretty good as a runner and as a receiver. Had a nice catch in there. Great tackle as well in the yeah. interception. He's a good football player. Yeah, good football player. I've never doubted that. Um, let's not look. We're gonna we're gonna make all of our declarations in week one, so you can too. Jameer Gibbs was worth worth it. Twelfth oh. overall pick. If you want to say that, if you're okay. a Lions fan, you can do that. Do whatever you want. Sure. We're gonna be up there this week. Yeah. If we make it there on time. Oh, it's an early morning start. Really early. Pretty stupid. Yeah. Stupid there's, idea. There's no idea was that. What other stuff do we have here uh, to talk about? <laughs> if you, if we mentioned him before as a pun, as a as a punchline, but Deuce Vaughn, just amazing to watch. Good football player. Hysterically small. Yeah, like it looks like a glitch. It looks like a Photoshop, like a moving Photoshop. All those every image that's ever been created to to mock Kyler Murray, you know, where you make him look the size of the football. Deuce Vaughn looks like that, but on the field and in real motion, real time motion. It's amazing. It. Yeah, so he was fun. Uh, back to the Lions. Jack Campbell looked really good, despite wearing number forty-six. That's a rough number for a linebacker. How does he get number forty-six? By the way, I was thinking, can you imagine what an absolute pain in the ass nightmare it is for um, like player participation guys these days with the free for all and numbering? Oh yeah, you number try zero and, off the edge. And... You got to try and come up with like personnel groupings, knowing that a linebacker can be wearing zero. And a defensive lineman can be wearing 42, and a safety can be wearing, you know, 13. Like, what the hell is happening here? I don't know who anybody is. How am I supposed to glean what personnel group this is? I don't know. That's their problem. <laughs> God, thank, thank God it's not mine. I just, I'm just firing through. I said I would firing through Jack Campbell's key plays right here. Oh, yeah? Jacking up offensive linemen, flowing to the football. Blowing. Staying with the running back on a swing pass and then the sc- scramble drill. Showing the athleticism, that 6'5", or whatever it was, 6'6", six, six, three-cone, running with the running back. All of the athletic skills that didn't always show up on the field but showed up in the combine training all showed up on the field in a few key plays the other night from Jack Campbell. Looking really good for the Lions. Yay. Best linebacker in the draft per hashtag the model. So Best They did not reach at 18 unless you just don't like linebackers there. Um. Your guy, Darius Rush, had a good game. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I tweeted stuff out, you know, the propaganda for Darius Rush. Right. He caught a tipped pass and took it to the house. I'll tell you this. He's big and fast. 
which is a good start at corner. Uh, he did get beaten for a touchdown as well. I'm, you know, I'm realistic. He got beat for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, I, I thought as a fifth rounder, he was an absolute steal for the Colts. Yeah. And I think he's better than Juju Brents, who went in the second. There's a few of those, actually. I need to run through and sort of see how all those guys did, the guys that are potentially better than the people in front of them. Did you get Terrell Smith not play? I don't know. I didn't see I him. don't think he played, no. and Tyreek Stevenson did. Yeah, and, he and Tyreek Stevenson made some plays, so that didn't help Terrell Smith's cause in terms of winning that nope. job. Um, Carrington Valentine, the cornerback for the Green Bay Packers, played really well. And a guy who I think has been impressing so far in training camp, if you listen to Packers uh, guys, like a, a an impressive man-cover type of corner. Not over, you know, he's not huge. He's not, doesn't have that, those kind of imposing physical traits, but was pretty much locked down in the, the game against Cincinnati. Yeah, Valentine's been playing well at camp, I believe, as well. Right. For the Packers. Um, the most dramatic weekend game. Ravens 20, Eagles 19. It was a dramatic game, Sam. We had the Ravens 23-game preseason winning streak on the line. They're up seven in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden... Anthony Brown tries to throw the game away. Anthony Brown picks six to Eli game, Ricks. The streak. To Eli Ricks, uh, Bama rookie. And so we got a pick six for the Eagles. To get within one, they go for two. Go for the win. Pass gets broken up in the end zone. But, the, but it's not over there. No. There was still time for Ian Book to lead a comeback Ian for Book. the Eagles. I thought it was going to be Tanner McKee. And, it, you know, Tanner McKee maybe could have led the comeback, but they put in Ian Book. Mm. Ian Book could not lead the comeback. He's, he doesn't look great out there. <laughs> and the Ravens on fourth down sealed the deal as Book airmailed the ball into the third row. Mm. Ravens win their 24th straight preseason game. Yep. 2015. I had to go back. I needed some details on the last time they lost a preseason game. It was preseason week four. In 2015, Bryn Renner got the start for you know former UNC quarterback hmm. Bryn. Of course, he, he gets the start, and uh, they lose. The Ravens lose on a two-point conversion. The last time they lost, they only lost by one. And then Rex Grossman of the Falcons at the time Falcons legend. took a knee. Rex Grossman. This was Kyle. The last time the Ravens lost. It was Kyle Shanahan's first year in Atlanta as offensive coordinator, pre-Matt Ryan MVP season. That was the last time the Ravens lost a preseason game. This yeah, was I mean, drama. I am now, I am invested in the Ravens never losing another preseason game. I am invested in this streak. It, it blows my mind. Like, it is genuinely one of the most absurd streaks that's ever happened in sports and also the least meaningful. Like, it's completely inconsequential. It matters not one iota. It means something to me now. And it's it almost certainly not a product of, like, actual skill. It's just luck that's going this way for the moment because nobody cares, including them. Um, yeah, there's no evidence, by the way, that the Ravens are – like. it's not like they threw Lamar Jackson Lamar back didn't into play. this. Lamar did Like, yeah. they're not – yeah, they're not, like, gaming this out. You could if you wanted to. If you were really invested, you thought preseason was, like, a determining factor in future success. You could just run your starters out to halftime every game and win all the games because you would amass, you know, a 30-point lead at halftime and just let the backups take it from there. They're not doing that. Like, they, they were burned a little bit by playing their guys like a series a couple of years ago. And now they're like, screw it. Nobody's starting. Everyone that's consequential is not playing in this game. And they're still winning games. 
It's insane. I'm invested now. I never want to see it end. Like, the Patriots had the best team and were trying to win every game and won seven, you know, got the, the 16 game, 16 and 0 schedule, right? Still incredible, by the way. The, the Ravens are 24 and they don't care. Like, that should be harder to get to 24 if you don't really give a crap who's winning at the end of it. How much more hair did you have last time they lost a preseason game? A lot more. Yeah, a lot of things are different. I had an Irish accent. Like you had an Irish accent? Of, yeah. I was telling my, eight, my, my oldest son's about to turn eight in a couple of weeks. He was uh, 10 days old Yeah. last time they lost a preseason game. Mm-hmm. They had one kid. Last time they lost a preseason game. Those are fun games. I was was living in Massachusetts. You were in Ireland. Right. Last time they lost a preseason game. I'm invested in the Ravens never losing another preseason game. All right, give me some other uh, player takes. Justin Ross caught a touchdown. Yeah. Hype train continues there for the Chiefs wide receiver. Okay. Uh, Ivan Pace for the Vikings. Very fun tape. Very fun tape. So, again, undersized linebacker out of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Uh, The model suggested... If you didn't, you, you could have got him in the fourth round and felt really good about him. He goes undrafted and uh, tearing it up in the run game, just wrecking dudes, flying to the ball in the run game. He's got a little little bit to learn in pass pro, uh, pass coverage, but um, I actually thought I thought we knew that yeah, coming in as well. I actually thought he was a little bit tentative in the run game as well. Like if he actually reaches the point where he trusts what he's seeing, he's gonna be insane. Because <laughs> even with like the hesitation, he was still making a ton of plays and yeah. you know jacking up offensive linemen and filling gaps really well. And he was like a half beat late, you know, reading it and then deciding to do it. If he actually gets that, you know, the game slows down for him and he trusts what he's seeing, he's gonna be a problem to stop in the run game. Anyway. I, I am curious to see because if. Um, I think, I think all young linebackers have a lot to learn in pass coverage. We always talk about the, the passes behind linebackers are the most challenging. And those are the plays when you're watching TV and you're watching the game, you're like, oh, there's just somebody wide open 15 yards down the field, you know, zone coverage, whatever. Usually it's the linebacker's fault. And that happens far too often in NFL games. It is a challenging role. So it takes time for the young linebackers to learn that. But if you could find a way to – ease and Ivan Pace in he's good in the run game early downs and he's a very good blitzer his one-on-one blitz tape at the senior bowl was some of the best I've ever seen particularly for a linebacker he just made poor running backs had no shot Brian Flores loves to blitz his linebackers historically uh, a high number of blitzes for a starting linebacker is like 100 120 in a season is there a role where Ivan Pace you could send him after the quarterback eight to ten times a game tap into that part of his game but you also have you, you can't just do that right so you have to hide him and pass uh, coverage a little bit but i'm intrigued after one week because i liked him coming out a lot of people liked him coming out you see the way he played and his aggressiveness and the way he plays in the run game so ivan pace for the vikings undrafted linebacker pretty good week one as far as seeing that he belongs yep um all right, one uh, sort of one-on-one encounter that I think is interesting for certainly for narratives. Uh, we're we're firmly into Quentin Johnson can't catch the football territory now. Didn't oh, didn't have a good game. Uh, hasn't had a good camp according to some people. Dan Fouts I think was saying that he struggled to catch the football during training camp. Even the touchdown he scored was like the classic body catch. People are like oh look, that's gonna gotta pluck that thing out of the air. Um, what was really interesting to me though is that Trey Tomlinson was covering the dude one-on-one quite a lot and pretty much shut him down. Trey Tomlinson allowed one catch for eight yards into his coverage from five targets. 
with a pass breakup. Trey Tomlinson is 5'8", 180. Quentin Johnson is what, 6'3", 2-something? 220 probably. Yeah. Like, that's a big gap in size between those two guys. Trey Tomlinson's legit. Can, um, I want, can I tell a story on perspective? Yeah. A quick story? Yeah, it's baseball related. Okay. When we, when we hear reports from camp and everything, we've talked a lot about you just you gotta, you don't know what the source is, right? Everybody's going to see things completely differently. Mm-hmm. When I was in double A, dubs, yeah, I was, I was kind of getting away with uh, not pitching all that well, yeah. walking a lot of guys, but getting out of it, right? And my pitching coach was like, oh, awesome job. Got out of it. You didn't give up any runs. And I'm like, eh, kind of walking too many guys, you know, putting too many guys on base, playing with fire. Yeah. I was a little lucky, you know? get called up to triple a so my pitching coach loved me in double a he's like palazzolo's great unbelievable great stuff gets out of things doesn't give up runs go to triple a my first outing i go two innings walking guys like crazy but i get out of it no runs and my triple a coach looks at me he goes you're better than that right <laughs> he's so mad he's like dude that's that was terrible i was like two innings no runs he's like you can't you can't pitch like that so same outing, mm-hmm. if I did it in double-A, pitching coach is like, great, move him up. The guy's awesome. My triple-A coach is like, this dude sucks. It's terrible. Get him yeah. out of here. Sounds a little bit like your double-A coach is an idiot. No, real smart. Yeah. Steamer. Okay. All Bob right. Stanley. Bob the other, Stanley. The other interesting thing you know about, Bob. Yeah, uh, about Trey Tomlinson is he played outside the whole way. Like they yes, didn't, that is this, interesting. This 5'8", 180-pound, oh, he's your top slot guy in the draft, right, because of that size. Even though he didn't actually play slot in college, we just pegged him in there because he's 5'8", 180. He played outside against Quentin Johnston, like your prototypical X, big, long wide receiver, and was going toe-to-toe with him, had a pass breakup against him, like looked like he could hang with those guys. I mean, he reminded me quite a bit of Antoine Winfield, the, the original, like the first uh, for the same kind of idea. Like, he's smaller than Winfield, but he plays feisty to the point where it makes up for a lot of size. Yeah, I like I like Trey. I like that he cut his name down. Yeah, that was just, a good move. Just good tra- move. Trey Tomlinson. I um, like that. And as for the Quentin Johnson thing, I mean, look, we there was a period where it looked like Jamar Chase couldn't catch the football because, you know, because it had different shapes on it. It was a stripe on Not a stripe in this one. That was throwing him off. Um so it's a little early to panic. Having said that, it does also tally with, like, the scouting report, which is a different problem. Yeah, I think uh, – look, I've been burnt by this before. I care a little bit more about is this guy winning down the field and creating those big play opportunities. And I know you always cite uh, Troy Williamson. and Okay, he ran behind the defense and dropped a bunch. Jamison Williams this week, right? Jamison Williams, right? He gets behind wins, the defense and drops it. Right, wins, gets there drops the deep shot like to in a small sample size i would agree that it's more important that he was open and causing that threat than it is that he caught the football at all because those tend to come and go having said that at some point you become troy williamson and it doesn't matter that you're getting open every play over time you're probably going to catch nine maybe eight of those ten right and so that matters more i i need a, a a guy that's winning down the field and Quentin Johnston theoretically needs to be the number three receiver for the Chargers. Just create a big body that's tough to cover. He did catch a touchdown on a slant. Big body that's tough to cover down the field to help open things up for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and also create the big play every now and then. If you drop some here and there, you know, it, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Now, we have officially, we have done a good job. We have not covered every game, but we have at least touched on every single game 
Really? Yes. We have discussed at least one thing yeah. from all 16 NFL games. Okay. Do you want me to remind you what it was? C.J. Stroud no. in the Texans? No. Okay. Game by game. Now that you, since you mentioned uh, A-Shane from uh, the Dolphins, yeah. that hit Falcons-Dolphins. Nice okay. job. Because there wasn't much else to <laughs> discuss that covered. in that game. Uh, Every, you talked about Russ. We talked about the Barbarian. And Jesse the body. So we had Cardinals-Broncos covered. Every game's been covered in this. We could say every game. The one other thing I want to say in overreaction preseason week one, Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. That first team offense out there just looking sharp. And second team looked sharp with Jameis Winston. But Derek Carr looking pretty good. And Jawan Johnson and Michael Thomas. And everybody's looking good for the Saints. I was watching that Saints game. Yes, yesterday. Um, and it was the Saints commentary team, right? Was the, the preseasons are always interesting because you get one or the other. You get like the hometown uh, commentary yeah. team, not, you know, the national guys just dropping in for whatever. So it's obviously heavily biased commentary in one direction or the other. And they're out there. It's the second team. It's Jameis Winston. And it's just so funny hearing people talk about Jameis Winston because it's like everybody knows we're just – two or three plays away from him doing something insane. It's like he was a play where he's under heavy pressure, like in the grass type of thing. You're like, oh, is he about to do it now? This is where Jameis goes, Jameis. And then he just like eats it, sack. And they're like, yeah, you see, that was really good. Like He didn't do the crazy thing. <laughs> this guy's life has now become about not being the meme, right? He didn't from his back falling over launched like a an underarm throw into triple coverage and they're like you see three see years that? ago he would have checked right. that to a safety they're like that's real that's real growth from Jameis there you love to see it you're like just simply eating the ball and not doing anything crazy was like yeah you see that shows real growth from Jameis they love to see it I, I do love that it is fun. just amazing to listen to we have uh I got one more week. thing to talk Enjoy about this. oh yeah good. Or to bring up anyway um, C.J. Okoye, have you heard about this? No. C.J. Okoye uh, got a sack for the Chargers, I believe, in not just his NFL debut. Oh, his first In game, his yeah. first ever game of organized football. So think Jordan Mailata, who, you know, was a seventh-round pick, essentially having never played the game before. This guy got a, first, got a sack the first time he's ever played a game of football. He... Um, had gone through that OC Humanura sort of um, foreign player pathway deal. You know, a, a guy identified as an athlete and then put on this program to become a football player. And this was his first ever crack at it and winds up getting a sack. Just insane story. That's awesome. Ten snaps, nine as a pass rusher. That's really cool. Isn't That's it? A great story. I love that. What else? Any of my, uh, some of my guys didn't play well. I don't like that. It's just week one, you know? Right. If my guys didn't play well. So oh, yeah. It's just week one. Don't want to write them off yet. That's a good story, though. I believe he got a game ball as well. I think Brandon Staley gave him the game ball for that. Good for him. That's fun. Well, football is back, man. What else did we miss? Oh, a lot of things. A ton of other stuff. I mean, we missed a lot of stuff. But um, we covered a lot of stuff. I don't think any other podcast is going to cover every game. Anyone else? No one else in the world. Can't claim this. Featuring an Irishman is gonna cover every single game. I don't think we can claim that we covered every game. We covered every game. I think that's too far. Is there something for everybody? Whose team played in a game? 
Packers team. I mean, not really. Like Falcons fans might right. not be happy. Did you cover the Falcons in any way, shape, or form? The game we covered we did. the game. No, we didn't even cover the game. We mentioned something that occurred in the game they we played. We mentioned it. something in every single game. Yeah, that's slightly different to you covered every it's game. It's a huge win. It's like week one of the regular season. Uh, one last thing on the way out, going all the way back to the first game. Keon White was just a beast. Oh, Patriots, yeah. If Bill Belichick has taught that guy how to play football, they've found a weapon. Keon White and uh, Christian Gonzalez looking good. Their rookies are looking at Mate Mapu. They're looking good, man, on the defensive side of the ball. If they can figure it out offensively, the Patriots are going to make some noise the same way I think the Steelers are going to make some noise hmm. as, the, as the teams that are kind of forgotten in their respective divisions because you just don't know what you're going to get from their quarterbacks relative to the other QBs and offensive systems in their divisions. Patriots and Steelers could make some noise. They could. I was looking up the uh, – preseason model last year preseason so model. straight up going into the year production model for edge defenders yeah keon white was third yeah going into the year going into right. the year will anderson number one then nick hampton Ooh. app state then keon white he played as well and then nolan smith nolan smith so the model had two first rounders nolan smith and will anderson and then second rounder keon white Nick Hampton's going to struggle to make an impact as long as he's wearing number 31. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. And as great, again, as great as Jack Campbell looked, like how does he get number 46? I didn't get to put enough time and effort into this. Research? No, just how does he get 46? That can't be by choice. Maybe Surely week one's going to come around and he's going to be like, yeah, yeah, give me 52. I mean, whatever, whatever's available. <laughs> give me something in the 50s. Yeah. You can't go into the season as 46. I mean, you're gonna, he's not going to have a Hall of Fame career as number 46. Once you cut these... These other 30 guys, that's going to free up But some why numbers. didn't your first rounder get a number in the 50s right off the bat? I don't know. He doesn't want 46. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, what number was he in college again? It wasn't 46. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Can I get a depth chart here for the Lions? There's some bad numbers out there. I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of this whole free-for-all numbering system. I preferred What's, the old system where you could tell what position a guy played by what number he was what number was on his jersey oh, look, just crotchety. made life easier for everybody crotchety old guy over here it was just better i knew what he played immediately just by looking at it just by the number i didn't need to go check out who it was you know identify how many wristbands he's got on him nobody this entire linebacker room is atrocious <laughs> alex anzalone 34 malcolm rodriguez 44 jalen reeves maben 42 what are they doing not a soul in the 50s huh then the defensive line, you got Alim McNeil on the D-line is 54. Christian Covington on the defensive line is 52. All their pass rushers are in the 50s. Yeah. Charles Harris, 53. It's just not right. Anthony Pittman, 57. Go get 57, Jack. Go get 57. Wait a little bit. It'll free up. Yeah, Anthony Pittman. Trevor Nowoski is number 59. <laughs> Can you grab one of these numbers, please, Jack? Can you do that? <laughs> I'll talk to him this week at, at Lions camp. Tell him we got to make some, got to make some changes yeah. here. He Pen seems. Penae Sewell has fifty-eight. Yeah, there's a lot of fifties being taken up. Non-linebacker fifties for the Lions. He feels like the kind of guy that would take it on board. You know, he's just an automatic. Like he doesn't. I mean, look, I'm only judging it by the little snippets we've seen from uh, from that inside the Lions Den or whatever the video series was called that we were on. Um, he feels like somebody that would be like, yeah, okay, I'll. I'll I'll, I'll take that on board and see what I can do about it. He's not going to tell you, no, shut up. 
It's not yeah. that kind of guy. Can we get a Jack Campbell interview over here, please? We'll talk, we'll talk to some people. We'll get Jack. Yeah. All right. Anything else for today? No, it feels like we have to be done at this point. That was good. That was a good show. Overreactions done. So we got Aiden, Aiden O'Connell going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, CJ Stroud uh, and Anthony Richardson are write them off now. They're done. Saints Super Bowl. Saints Super Bowl. Um, Patriots and Steelers. Patriots lost, but I was impressed with their defense. <laughs> Steelers. Steelers in particular probably winning the AFC North now. Okay, I believe that's. How, I think that's what's happening. Oh, the other thing that was relevant that didn't wasn't even like preseason relevant necessarily was Joe Burrow was there sleeveless on the legs and running sprints. Like, looking a lot more like he's going to be ready for week one than, like, week five, where Jamar Chase is like, don't even show up for the first month. Good. Like, he looks – I mean, you're not – for a calf-slash-soft muscle injury, you're not running, like, sprints unless you're pretty damn close to being ready. Yeah, it's the change of direction stuff, though. You start to not challenge calf, it. it's not. You start like to pushing off the calf. Bit. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Positivity from, uh, from Joe Burrow there. Mm. All right, everybody's going to hit the thumbs up. On the way out this week, we've got show Wednesday, show Thursday. Uh, we'll figure out. Might need to pre-record a little. We are going to be on the preview. road to Lions Camp for basically the entirety of Thursday because Lions Camp is at least four hours away from here. So I think we make that our next preview. Right, and we're doing it in a day. Yeah. So that show is likely to be pre-recorded <laughs> the yeah. day before. So we'll do a quick show Wednesday, pre-record our next preview Probably the Easts, AFC and NFC East. Oh, you want to right into the Easts? Yeah. You want to get the big, the biggest shows out there as early as possible. Huh. Give them time to, you know, get going. Really? I'm not going to do the Souths. I'm going to finish with the South. You know that. <laughs> you know that is happening. <laughs> got to get the East out there. All right. Bias is real. There's more people in the East to want, listen to. There's bigger fan bases. Okay. Forget it. Whatever. We're going to do a preview this week. We're out of here. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again on Wednesday.